Do you believe in the Corona modeling? Statistical modeling? Like Lego modeling? I believe no, in no, Jesus. No. no, the shutdown, would you take the checks? Got shut down. And would you take the checks? Oh. Robert Borden, CEO, joins us. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And you guys got to catch this. David Bonson wow. joins us. And that interview. Uh, I mean, but but Borden's has a really big announcement. Yes. That's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, it's really if exciting. you're a homeschool yeah. mom, you want to hear this. And then Bonson is just like economic ninja. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. And he were like... Yeah, I, I would like him and Ron Paul to sit down. Oh yeah, I would like that. Oh, we should. Mm. That would be interesting. Hey, you guys, thank you for joining us on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, and I'm the Water Boy. Good to be with you. It's been quite the week, and when you get your stimulus package, make sure you sign up for the club membership oh. and join our conference in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Plane tickets are cheap right now. <laughs> That's a good time to buy. Buy That's now. A good time. Buy now. All club members get a free T-shirt. I mean, this is this is not even in our shop, our merch store. This T-shirt only comes else. to our secret club membership. Plus, we have all sorts of content that we dropped even this last week. We dropped uh, the joy of parenting. Oh with yeah, Pastor Doug, yeah. Nancy, Pastor Toby, and his wife Jenny. We just dropped that. We also dropped uh, biblical counseling with Mike Lawyer, and then we dropped what was the other thing we dropped in our club membership this last week? Oh, uh, the Darren Don. Darren, the Darren Don. Yeah, that happened on Monday. Like, this, this week is yeah, everything's been so much. And then we've done a show week. pretty much every day this week. Yeah. Yep, oh, except but, for Friday. But don't forget, we we did a show with Charlie Kirk yesterday, um, which went on our podcast. That was so quick. That. Oh, we're so was, much yeah. just getting started like, with yep. that one. Love hey, to do that. this show is brought to you by Classical Conversations. They believe that parents are the best teachers for their children because that's what the Bible says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Imagine that. Classical Conversations is committed to helping families homeschool successfully through high school. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're suddenly Homeschooling, hey, hey, maybe I should surprise. check out their resources. Their program offers community in person, well, mostly online right now, encouragement and fellowship, accountability and support from like-minded parents, rich downloadable resources, online forums, video tutorials, tried and trusted learning framework with recommended assignments, trained parent teachers that model the classical approach, and just check it out, classicalconversations.com. Uh, they are uh, killing it right now, and they're one of our sponsors. And stand by for a big interview with Robert and a big announcement here oh, that's coming be, up. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to talk about it. So the, 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 this is really what we were at. It's true. Fantastic point of view. Not really. <laughs> Lots of people to tell us no and where to go. Stay in your house. And say, go dream. You're not coming out. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Stop. sorry, you were saying gay? Stop. Yeah, Stop. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that God used the coronavirus to, like, shut down the world. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. That's one of the things that's happened in all this. I mean, God used this little virus, hey, this just, little coronavirus, and everyone's, like, shut I down. I just want to tell you guys, my prayer life and my hands are really good right now. Yeah. You've been washing a lot? You've been washing a lot? <laughs> just, just saying. So a lot of this, so we've been calling it the corona panic. Right, because we think the response has been more about panic than actual threat of the virus. Right. A lot of the modeling actually originally was built off what was going on in China, what was going on in Iran, and what was going on in uh, Italy. 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 Those were the first three countries where we had some sort of data from. But it wasn't just that. It was also some really bad data modeling. I yeah. Mean, the, the, um, the Imperial College... Someone's called Imperial College London. Yes, is is where the one of the yes. f- first significant <laughs> uh, studies comes. Yeah, out. Neil Ferguson is the lead uh, uh, on this uh, on this uh, 
this crew yeah. studying this. They're, this school is also really well known, actually, for all their climate change modeling. Oh, and oh, and this is like you know that the world's going to end in about fifteen minutes if you don't adopt the Green New Deal. Yeah, right. Um, so what could go wrong? Corona's yeah. killing everybody in twelve um, years, then, huh? But it's and it's kind of a mess right now because uh, you know he. The, the the he has a report that comes out that becomes one of the most hi- highly cited, most widely cited reports. Right. Stop, <laughs> Stop hitting the mic. It's okay. You know, you know. Um, and it says, you know, initially as high as estimates as high as two point two million deaths in the United States, five hundred and sixty thousand deaths in the UK, uh-huh. and that's with taking social distancing precautions. Yeah. Mm. Right. Maybe with those things yeah. in place. Wow. Yeah. You get it down to. As many as 2.2 million deaths in the United States. So millions. So when yeah. you hear people talking about millions of deaths, it was based on the Imperial College London model. And, and the assumptions were coming from the other countries. and Because yeah, they had no data well, in the UK a, or US to do this. All these data modeling uh, things, they require assumptions. Yeah. They yep. always require assumptions. You don't, it's like you put it in. It's not like it's magic. It's like you, yeah. have, to, you, tell, you, you have certain assumptions, but right. if your assumptions are bad, right. then your data is going to be bad. Yeah, right. the assumption is that it continues to kill it, like it did in, in, in the, Italy. In the report, right. it said, yeah, it said maybe if you take very severe, significant action, yeah. um, you get it down. Down to one million deaths in the United States. That's draconian and, action, and right two hundred thousand mm-hmm. deaths. And then he comes out a couple days after Boris Johnson's, um, you know, lockdown of the UK. And Boris has the COVID now. He has the I, he I, has the COVID? CV, the COVID. COVID. Okay. All right, <laughs> he's got the COD. COD nineteen. <laughs> Gabe don't care. And, um, yeah, man. Honey badger don't but either. But he, he said, he, you know, he locks it down. You know, you know, all these. He basically required all the families to get rid of their kids. Based off of this economic right. modeling, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can only have one other person with you at any given time yep. in the UK, apparently. Right Did you now. see the meme going around so, where the kid was the last one at the dinner table? And they're like, we're sorry. So everybody turned into China. <laughs> apparently. Yeah, yeah, they got a zero kid policy over there in UK. Uh, but the, anyways, he says with the draconian ma- measures, you might get it down to one million deaths in the U.S., that's with draconian measures. Yeah, yeah. And you might get it down to 200,000 in the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then somewhere in there, he's also saying, like, you know, maybe if certain things are a certain way, you might get it down a lot lower. Who's the he again? Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson. And, and then he comes out at the parliament a couple of days later and says, I'm pretty sure we're in the a lot lower category now. Like 20,000. Now, <laughs> he, he, he can technically say, I mentioned the lower numbers as possibilities in the report. And, of course, media grabbed onto the most extreme numbers yeah. right. and ran with them. So yeah. the marketing. <laughs> but, um, but the you know somewhere there's a massive communication breakdown. And yep. if media is running with those high-end numbers, he needed to be clarifying right all the then. way. Yep. I mean, because we're taking draconian measures. Now, yep. he's a big fan of all the draconian measures. Yeah. And, and they, still is, well, and even with the lower projections. Them, yeah. and, and is still saying, you know, and, and anyways, um, it's this massive, you know, like, so is it 20,000? Or is it five hundred thousand? Five hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, the twenty thousand. The twenty thousand in the UK is standard flu numbers. Right. And that's the thing. Is if it's yeah. twenty thousand, then this is this. And is we're non- talking twenty thousand deaths. Yeah. Just so, and that's so it's a non-event. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, it's tragic. It's, it's a standard flu and, season. But, but he would say. He, yeah. I think even in the comments he made before Parliament, he said that uh, I think two thirds of those people in the twenty thousand number probably would have died this year from their underlying causes anyway. Yeah. Um, Which right. okay. So, anyways. Um, uh, that's the Imperial College. Yes. In yesterday's um, uh, uh, press conference, uh, Dr. Uh, the lady who's ahead of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody. Uh, 
Bix, I think is what, it, or Bic. Um, uh, she, uh, she says, she, she references this, um, uh, Ferguson uh, Tobacco. Comments, yeah. uh, with with Parliament yeah. and and says basically you know this is a significant change and um, a, at least an emphasis yeah at least an emphasis and um, and she says um, and anyways regardless if you take the numbers of the modeling that he, that they did at the Imperial College London yeah. and you run them there should be four hundred thousand deaths in Italy right now right now that's not where they're at and there's, and there's like a little over eight thousand no, maybe nine thousand yeah, by now right uh, maybe ten thousand but like. Ten thousand to four hundred thousand. Yeah, we're not even in the same ballpark. Right. right. She, says, she says something's wrong with the math there. Right. And she and she says there's nothing like that at all. And we need to really yep. seriously go back and do the math. Yep. Okay. One last thing on this is that meanwhile, um, Oxford comes out with a study. They're running the numbers. It's just statistics at this yep. point. They haven't right. actually tested for it, but they say based on the numbers we're actually seeing of the spread of the disease and the rate of death and so forth. Right. Our thesis is that there are millions that have already been infected and recovered and are now immune. Yeah. I, I think David and Neil got well, it. In, no, in, hold in, this. Hold this. In January. And add to that, you were saying that, and I was laughing, yeah. and I really was laughing at you. But, but, <laughs> but, um, but then yesterday or the day before, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. Governor Kemp of Georgia. of Georgia comes out on the news and says, I think, and some of my health officials think, it's very likely that we yeah. had COVID nineteen in Georgia last year at the end of twenty nineteen yes. in December twenty nineteen. Yes, and at the very least by January when we were landing in Atlanta. When, when was G three during our, <laughs> January sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth? <laughs> um, and so, but the Oxford study is saying, based on the way it's actually spreading, it doesn't seem to be spreading like an actual, a truly novel virus would. So, if it's truly novel, brand new, yeah. Um, then the assumption is that there's no immunities, whatever. Okay, and so you have high transmission rates right. added with no immunities, whatever, and it goes like up in flames. You know, like so. so is this an issue with the two different surveys that we have here? Yeah, studies. Uh, studies. Okay, two different stud- studies that we have here. Is one of them just the the? Is one of them just saying we have more information now than we had before, and so we're able to make better decisions about or from what we see from the numbers, or is the other one just? Forecasting something that they are imagining based off of just one, the, you know the, what I mean? The first one you're talking about? Yeah, the about? first one. Well, it seems to be like the first one ran like a number of different options. And the, you're, you're talking about the one. Imperial College. Yeah, the Imperial study. College study, Neil Ferguson study, seemed yeah. like they ran a bunch of different options. And at least in the messaging of it, yep. maybe the report itself is more even handed and neutral. But the media, but somebody the, took the messaging of it. Yeah. of it was heavy on the millions are going to die if you don't close it all down right now. And yep. even if you do, probably a million are still going to die. So that's, yep. that's probably the worst case scenario. Right. But in that, in that situation, do you look and say, what is the worst case scenario that we're having right now? And how do we respond to that? Is that still fair to, to look at that and say that? Well, the, uh, it, I think if you get something like that, if you're a governor, if you're a president and you look and well, say, I, I think the issue, though, is is that I think you have to go back and say it's only as good as the input. The data you get, the right. modeling, it's only right. as good as the input. Mm-hmm. And, and they, we don't have a lot of input right we now. We don't have a lot of input. But the other thing is I would say it's, it's when you're doing these modeling things, I think you want to have as many – um, inputs as possible. Get many opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but wisdom is found in the multitude of counselors, yeah, right? Sure. Yep. And so I think yep. what was one, one of the major dangers is that you have one, only one study yep. on the driving, kind of, driving this whole driving thing. A lot of it I, rather than multiple studies that might correct yeah. one another, or at least even them out. Sure. Yeah. I, I tweeted out, I think it was like two days ago. I said, um, just so you know, I don't believe in the coronavirus projections. I said they're based off for three reasons. They're based off China, Italy, and Iran, which they originally were. Yeah. 
Uh, the other, the second reason, which people kind of gave me a little flack for this, um, they come from scientists who believe in evolution, <laughs> which is or climate change, right? And then third, the, um, based off the New York pandemic, so any projections even that are based off the New York pandemic, I don't want to extrapolate to Idaho because um, you know New York has a high density population, which Idaho doesn't. They have mass government transit, which has been a huge problem in New York. And they had hospital regulations that have actually are hindering the hospital's ability yeah. to respond to this right now. Sure. And so, um, but the projections originally being based off China, Italy, and Iran. We've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but China's a, China's a communist re- reg- regime. Right. Their, their healthcare system's horrible. Italy's got several problems going on. Their age population, their heart, their, uh, heart, oh, yeah. more than average, you know, 60, 60 years and older, older age population. Oldest eight, yeah, oldest, um, yeah. The doctors this last week were telling, um, patients that they were not going to give respirators to those who are over 60 right. this, this last week in, in Italy. So, of course, we aren't going to even believe those projections there. And then lastly, Iran. That's actually going to drive that, up the numbers. Death, that's the why deaths are going to be hard. So, so it's just not, because you know, they're playing survival of the fittest, you're more comparable. likely to survive over here. Yeah. And then Iran doesn't even have a healthcare system. Yeah. And then here comes Imperial College making this uh, uh, you know, statistical analysis based off all this. I, you know, it's so it's bad for the we made some decisions off of bad data. We're right yeah. now. The other thing that we're doing too is the fact that our governors are getting this data right. <laughs> and right. different kinds of data, and they're making decisions to shut down our whole states yes. and cities and cities, towns, cities, counties, states, and and, and churches and churches. I, I was I was um, uh, corresponding with our local city council over a Facebook post I did, and one of our city council um, uh, linked to a report where she's basing some of her decisions off of. Yeah. And I looked at the appendix where the modeling assumptions were, yep. and one of the modeling assumptions said, we don't have update geographic data, hospital data, uh, and uh, one other thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. this you know gar- In the economic business, you call it garbage in, garbage out. Right. So you put garbage in the model, right. and garbage is going to come that's out. That's the point. It's, but if you don't have the good data, yeah. then you're, 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 you're modeling in the dark. And, and what's happening, though, is, is you've got real live consequences. So yeah. people are saying, but people are going to die. But I don't think anybody's reckoning with the fact that there's death on the other side. Yeah. You shut down the government, you shut down all the businesses, yep. and you have massive job loss. We're going to talk to David Bonson in a little bit. Yep. I mean, three point, almost 3.3 million, um, uh, unemployment in the in last a month. week. In, in the a last, month. last no, week. In the last week. Is it just a last week? week? Only it's just a week. week yes. Um, and that's, that's the thing. So, um, the, um, it's, there's, and what happens with that? Well, people, you know, men are sent home. They, they can't, um, they, they feel they dejected. Yep. Um, they, they aren't providing. They're not protecting their families. Um, suicide um, calls to the suicide hotline um, like jumped spiked, yeah. 300% like, yeah, yeah. in the last week as well. Yeah. Is that going to go higher the longer this goes on? I would guess so. Yeah. Um, the suicide rate, I'm sure, is going to jump. That doesn't yeah. make it right. That doesn't make it no. you know, acceptable. They're not calculating those. But, but they're not, ex- they're not, I mean, what what we're doing though is you're modeling on what might happen. Yeah. Both ways. Yeah. What might how many people might get the virus and then how many people might die from it? Yeah. How many people might get fired, might get lose their jobs and might commit suicide? Yeah. Um how many other people, you know, how much other damage is being done um in terms of families, individuals, communities, um what otherwise might be used for productivity? Yeah. Um I think I think that that's that's part of us not being done. Of course the big question that a lot of people have is so I'm ordered to stay home yeah. and not gather in groups of more than 10. And particularly, I think, question about churches. The churches. Romans 13. I mean, yeah, we, you know, so do we have church if, if, if our governor has said you can't have church? Yeah. Um, <laughs> looking I, at me. Well, well there's, there's one pastor. There's one pastor. I, I, I'm, 
I don't know if I should answer this question right so, now because I'm. I, what I no answer? It. I think I think Gabe is like I'm going to church with my gun, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. which is not different than any other Sunday. But let's be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so what I what I what I'm counseling and and what we're doing uh, at, at Christ Church is, is right now is I think everyone's saying even though we think there's a pretty good likelihood that and I don't think say there's a mix of opinions about exactly how bad it is. Uh-huh. I think most people are pretty sympathetic to the idea that this is an overreaction to some degree. Uh-huh. Um, but the question is, is does the government have any interest in health safety at all? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so given that, that setup, I think the instinct is to say, okay, um, we'll let you, you know, uh, l- make decisions, um, at, for, for a period of time yeah. temporarily. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that should be, I, I think our instinct should be to honor those in authority over us, yeah. submit to them, obey them. So long as they're not requiring us to disobey God. Yeah. Now, does this order ever possibly um, become the sort of thing where we say we're sorry, we 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 can't follow right. this anymore? Yeah, absolutely right. could. Right. Um, and I think, um, and it, you know, the other thing too is we're talking about something that every single state city is different. Right. That's right. Uh, we've been, That's we've been right. texting with friends around the That's country right. um, who are sh- sending us their, you know, city government yeah. rules. And, and some people are doing it um, as, you know, if you break this law, you're, it's a misdemeanor. States and have opened up hotlines to report those who are yeah. and others, breaking uh, curfew. Snitches get stitches, baby. Oh. oh. And, uh, I, I'm just saying. Other states, it's like, you know, strong regulation, you know, strong uh, guidance regulations mm. from the, like, the medical staff of the state. So there's... The mayor of, of uh, Los Angeles is going to turn off your electricity or water so if you open a business it really you really have to have sort of a case by case thing here and say there are several, there are a number of principles here mm-hmm. but on the one hand you can't just say well they're the government they can do whatever they, they no, do they want to right. do that's, right. that's not what Romans 13 means that's yeah, right um, they have they are deacons yeah. they have a responsibility yeah. to obey God too and, and yeah. so there needs to be that and then the other side of course is that sometimes you need to be the abigail in a situation yeah. where you 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 just say, well, you know, I, I know you have the authority, but this is you're doing something terrible and horrible, and you're making you're destroying things, yeah. Yeah. and I've, I'm going to have to go, you know, behind your back, and I'm going to, you know, or you know, think of Gideon uh, threshing his his uh, in a hole, <laughs> his, his wheat in a in wine a, press, in a wi- wine press, yeah. right? Um, you know, why is he threshing wheat in a wine press? He's hiding it so I don't get my money. He's hiding it. <laughs> You know, from the Canaanite uh, I, I, I want to. There's a lot of going on with this, and I've heard so many people talking about how or way or the way they should be submitting to the government right now. I want to say, I want to step back, and I want to say, what's my closest authority to me in this case? And yeah. it's my elders. Yeah, um, of your I, church. Yeah. I, yeah. I happen to have really good elders at my church, yeah. men who understand their responsibility before God and to the people, and also the uh, to the government. Yeah, and and are thinking about you know the ways that they. Are overreaching where those spheres are. And so I'm really want to, I have my own position and opinions on this, and they're probably much harsher than where my elders are. But I think my job right now is to say, God, you've put me under authority, under godly men who are thinking about these things too, and who have to live in. Our elders are touching way more sometimes than a lot of the other things that we're yeah, touching. Sure. And so I think submit to your elders is my first thing I, I want to do. Yeah. I want to submit to my elders. And I want to encourage them that if I see that they're not, I was like, hey, what, do, what are you thinking about this? Or how does this work with this? Or What's your elders do you, doing? Yeah, yeah, do you see the play that's coming on this other side? And, and just be there to support them. Right. And I, would, and I would say the same thing actually goes, our, our instinct ought to be with our governmental authorities. Yeah, yeah, too. the it's ones like, that we can touch, our mayors. How, and, how can yeah. we, for, I mean, we, we need to think in terms of 
helping them. Yeah. Because right. I think part of the problem is is that a lot of times in these situations, it's only the crazies they're hearing from. Yep. Uh-huh. And and then That's right. and then yep. they don't hear from the hypochondriacs. And, and they don't and they don't hear from the biblical thinking Christians yeah. until the biblical Christian Christians are mad. Are perturbed. Yep. Or we decide we're right. rebelling. And, it's like well, yeah. but they should be hearing from us right, right now saying we're praying for you. Yeah, yep. that's right. Mm-hmm. We are praying for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um they should hear and that's why I say our instinct should begin by saying, okay, even if I disagree with the call, uh-huh. We're going to honor it, um, and then to a yeah. to a point, yeah. but uh-huh. to a point, and but then but then in in talking to them, in the supporting them, and in serving them, and trying to give them good information, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. have you seen this data? Yeah. Have you seen this report? Have you yeah. have you interacted with this? Yeah. Right. Disciple then, them, and, and yeah. then at some point, I think in that conversation, if you have a really draconian, you know, yeah. a, a tyrant that yeah. says uh-huh. no, you know, we're closed for six months and we don't care, then then I think there's a place for beginning to ratchet up um, yeah. the pressure and and saying in a, again in a gracious way. And in a respectful way, yep. um, guys, to, this, is, this, up in this, piece. this is not right. This is not right. <laughs> right. And, yeah. But what we want to do is we want to do that in a way that can be heard as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not screeching, not screaming. We, we, we're called to serve. Right. Yeah. And, and at some point, sometimes serving does mean that you have to disobey. Right. Yeah. But you want it to be under the blessing of God, not you right. running out on your own. You're, this is not Rambo moment. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is, no, and start. don't do it at the last minute. Start doing it now. Start yeah. loving your neighbor. Um, build that kind of rapport. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that when it it's comes, really if, if, if it comes to that moment, yeah. it, it's it's so obvious that God's blessing yeah. is on what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, man. Big announcement coming up with Robert Bortons. And don't miss the third segment with David Bonson. Oh, it's, it's all good. Get your pen and pad out. More Cross Politic coming up next. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company, or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. Flow right now. There's a little pep in your step. You feel it? <laughs> Man. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. I don't know who brings you this particular segment. I'm going to say this segment is brought to you by Classical Conversations. That's right. Mm-hmm. Look at that picture. 
Woo. Robert's looking good Robert, on the screen here. Yeah, headshot, man. Yeah, he shaved. Good. <laughs> Robert Bordens is the CEO of Classical Conversations Incorporated, originally started by his mom, yes. wow. Lee Bordens, in the basement. Because mm-hmm. like all good things. All good basement business. That's where you send happen. boys. That's right. It's to the basement. <laughs> Robert oversees a homeschool community that spans 40 countries, 50,000 families, and 125,000 students. Yeah. And that number's probably jumped in the last yeah. couple of weeks here. <laughs> you believe that. Robert is also president of Homeschool Now USA, an independent nonprofit coalition of homeschool organizations that exist to educate and invite other families into the benefits of homeschooling. I think one of the coolest things about Robert is that if you can't tell by looking at his picture, he played rugby yes. for Clemson University jawline. down near Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> Robert and his wife, April, live in South uh, Southern Pines, North Carolina, with their two young children and began homeschooling in earnest just this past year. Their daughter, Lily is actually in her first year in Classical Conversations Foundations program. And in his free time, Robert enjoys playing with his children and golf. Hey, those children baptize Robert. They baptize, right? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. I, I, I yes, sir. Hey, right, hey uh, your wife's pregnant. Are, are, when, when are you guys due? Yeah, we got our third one due uh, middle of May. Ooh. So um, just excited about that. And yeah. we're uh, – we, Got a boy and a girl, and we've got all the clothes saved and all the toys saved yeah. from both of them. You're so ready. we're gonna wait till the baby comes oh, to find out. Man, I couldn't do that. Man, I, I need to know. You know, you you know, you're moving from man man on man to zone defense, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so Robert, yesterday you made a, I mean, kind of a huge announcement. Yeah. Um, what I mean, I was I was busy. What, what did you? What were you? <laughs> what, what, what's going on? What did you do? What did you say? <laughs> yeah, yesterday we made a huge announcement. Um, you know, at Classical Conversations, uh, our mission is to know God and to make Him known. And we really do that by empowering parents. And so homeschool moms and dads are really our customer. Um, and we know if we help them be successful, they'll do a great job yeah. homeschooling their kids. And so it's always been on my heart to see these homeschooling moms who've sacrificed years of income, you know, buck the system to stay at home and sacrifice yeah. for their kids and educate them. Yeah. And then they don't know what to do with themselves mm. and they are, they're empty nesters and you know, they, uh, their job opportunities aren't really out there, you know, maybe go working for, um, you know, minimum wage somewhere or working at the church or, you know, and they just not really sure what to do. And they've just been thinking about their kids. And I even saw that with my own mom, who, um, you know, of course, she has classical conversations still and is right. uh, working in that, but still that there was a, a lifestyle change that she wasn't prepared for um, when she became, uh, you know, an empty nester. And so it got me thinking that we've got all these super intelligent moms, huh. but there's not really any recognition from society by them. Wow. And so what we did was go get that recognition form. And so what we announced yesterday was a master in classical arts for our homeschool parents. Wow. So they'll be able to enroll and get their master's degree um, wow. alongside their students. So the great thing about this program is it's in full alignment with classical conversations. Uh-huh. And so they can basically get their master's degree while homeschooling their kids and turning in papers and doing different things um, through our 
through our partner program. Wow. And you so, better give them a burnout down. Burn wow. Just a master's, not a PhD. Well, you know what? We'll get to that, man. You got to get your master's first. <laughs> no, no, no. I, Everything I, comes I mean, in good time. I mean, 12 Everything years of homeschooling. I love this. Yeah. This is great. I, I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, I love just the fact that, I mean, the, the, what you just said. Yeah. I, I want, I want way more of that. Yeah. What the, you are honoring women. That's you great. Yeah. You are honoring moms. Yeah. And saying, we're yeah. going to recognize that what you've put, what you've sacrificed for, what you've taught your kids, what you've done for the last 12 years yeah. is worth, you know, is worth at least a master's degree. I, mean, I would say PhD, <laughs> but, you know. I, I, I love you, Gabe. Yeah. I, I'm with you, too. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, so, Robert, you said it works alongside the basically the regular teaching of what they're doing in, with their kids. How, so, how do you, okay, bring me to speed. You practically. Si- yeah, yeah, practically. You sign up. How does this work? Yeah, so we're launching the initial group this August. It'll be kind of enroll, uh, rolling enrollment. So we'll have an August group, a January group, and a May group. And so we'll have two classes that start this, this fall. And uh, you need to be in classical conversations, and we're continuing to um, build out those classes. They don't have specifics for us today. Um, but what they're doing is looking at our curriculum and say there's, um, you know, ninth grade history class yeah. and there's certain books that you're going to be reading and certain papers that your child is going to be doing that you're homeschooling. Well, we're going to take that, you know, and maybe oh. add in some classical education books that we carry, maybe some Doug Wilson books, maybe some Lee Borton's books on classical education. Yeah. And they'll be turning in papers that are similar to what their students are writing uh, to a professor uh, online and uh, they'll be grading them. And, of course, you know, you get, hopefully all of our homeschool moms will be getting A's. Yeah. But So you'll be diving deeper into that history lesson. And that's going to make your um, conversation with your student that more, much more enriching. Um, you know, you're getting credit for those hours of teaching that you're already doing. Wow. And um, Wow. So that's, that's basically how it's going to work. Man, and, the public school um, system can't p- compete with that. Seriously. Talk about the kind of in classroom instruction and experience that yeah. the moms are getting. Yeah. And then they're staying ahead of the homework and actually doing the homework. I mean, it's just. The, the students are going to be even sharper. So you, you go to college yeah. to get your you know, education degree well, at University of Idaho, and then you go sit in the classroom oh, yeah. and shadow a teacher for six months, and then you're certified. Yeah. It, so, oh, Robert, yeah. I mean, one of the questions people are going to ask right away, though, is, is so is this program accredited? Yes. Yeah. So um, our partner program is accredited. It's regionally accredited, which is the highest level you can be. Um, so it's fully transferable. Yeah, you'll be able to teach in community college, at college, at your oh. private Christian school, at the public school. I actually was looking online um, at uh, some educational degree averages, and the average um, master's degree teacher in the United States makes about $65,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So um, just a great opportunity to become an empty nester and then continue using all those teaching skills you've gained over the last 12 years um, to give back to your local community. And, of course, we'd love for them to continue to stay in classical conversations and direct for us. And um, they could even grade our – we have a concurrent enrollment program called CC+. You know, we'd love for them to stay in and uh, grade those 
um, papers for us because one of the bottlenecks we have of getting more students in that program is we need more assessors, so they'll be qualified for that. Who are the of course? Who are the professors? Said, yeah, so the professors are are professors in S, at SCU. Um, at SB, so Dr. SBU? Megan, who will yeah Southeastern University in Florida Lakeland, Florida, is who okay. are partnered with. Okay, so okay, the gotcha. location. The location doesn't really matter for, gotcha. for the university because it's, on, it's online. online. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what you turn in is going to be online. Obviously, you're in person is what you're going to be doing with your kid. Right. And uh, those discussions that you're having. Um, yeah, so Dr. Megan is going to be leading the program. And uh, as we get more and more students and uh, get this thing rolling, we'll, we'll bring in more and more professors uh, to their university to interact. Yeah, we got um, another corporate sponsor students. you might want to talk to, too, maybe. I don't know. Just What's the <laughs> sure. Gabe, Gabe, always connecting uh, people. I'm always for networking. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's that's exciting. That's yeah. huge. Way to go, Robert. And, and I, like, seriously, I, mean, I, Way think, to go. I think that's brilliant. And and it, it actually lines right up with um, one of the things we've been talking about a lot here on Cross Politic with this whole, you know, corona uh, situation panic. I call it the Corona panic. I know totally. Yeah, it's, Corona it's, panic. It's the panic pandemic. Yeah. Um. But but nevertheless, it's just you know it's a big kind of cataclysmic thing. It's international. Mm-hmm. It, sh- it shook everything up. Um. And 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 we've been saying, but okay, this is from God. Yeah. And so Christians need to see it as coming from is from God. That's yeah. right. And, and so it's for yeah. our blessing. It's for the good of His people, which means there's opportunities in this moment mm-hmm. to serve and give. Um, and bless, see needs yeah. and meet them. Um, while you know, because we know God holds everything together. Um, we're not. Af- we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be. Um, you know, angry. We we can just we can say, all right, this is crazy. Um, this is from the Lord. And I, this is a great example though of saying, hey, um, in the middle of all this, hey, we're doing we're, we're unrolling. We're rolling out a new master's yeah, program we're going for moms. Big. Yeah. We're going big. Yeah. Um, are there other things? Um, you know, how has this situation affected uh, CC? And uh, are there other things you're doing to meet the needs of this situation? Yeah. So, like most of our businesses right now, obviously revenues slowed down to a halt um, in some of our areas, and we're having to um, really work with our families and communities to go from a in-person community to a virtual community mm-hmm. to finish off the school year and, right. you know, missing things such as the um, graduations and stuff like that. But what we're doing for all these Insta homeschoolers, these isolationist homeschoolers that are kind of forced into this situation is we've made a significant amount of our materials uh, free for them. So mm. they can go to classicalconversations.com slash COVID D-O-V-I-D, um, to get free, free, uh, instructional materials. We have also got other materials there from our other service providers that are for free. And then we've made our K through sixth grade app free as well on the Android and the Apple store, uh, which has just been a blessing. Um, so crazy number of apps. So we launched, we made it free last Friday. It's usually $15 and 99 cents. We had 38,400 people download it in Germany. What? Oh, yes. And is, is homeschooling even 2, legal there? Peop- no. No, it's not it's even not. legal there. <laughs> no. Praise God. We, we had 2,000 people download it in China. 
And so we're not Amen. only helping people here in the U.S., we're helping people around the world um, awesome. get through this pandemic panic. Yeah. As you guys wow. like to call it. And, man, I just, I've seen just, I see the work of God's hand in all this in, in a way that's gotten people to slow down. I've heard stories of people eating meals together as a family for the first time in <laughs> yeah. two years. Oh, no, for real. Man. Um, yeah. I go to the store and I see that the toilet paper is out. But I've heard stories of Bibles being sold out across the United States as well Ooh, at bookstores huh. because people are going back to the Word. So keep the feast. You know, I, it, yeah. I you know, I mourn with those who mourn, right? I mourn with those yeah. who lose their jobs, sure. whose families get sick and die. But but we also got to have our eye on what the Lord's trying to teach us. What can we learn? And an eye on the future. He holds the world in His hands. Yep. You know, He knew about this long before we did yep. and he's got a plan like you said to bless us and we just got to look for that and we got to look for the lessons um that we can learn and so i really think you know long term there's going to be a lot more people considering homeschooling um because they've had an opportunity to spend time with their family yeah. you know, maybe they were thinking about homeschooling yeah but never really had the motivation to get started and now that they're kind of forced to do that yeah um you know so we're expecting, you know, once we get on the other side of this, that we'll have a lot more customers to serve. But in the meantime, you know, our, our Christian duty, I believe, is to serve those uh, who are hurting. And that's why we've made so much of our curriculum available for free online. Man, Robert, that man, praise God. You know, as you were talking, you were talking about being out of toilet paper, but we're also out of Bibles. Yeah. I was thinking about I was in the kitchen. I'm doing dishes and I have Fox News on in the background. And I thought I switched to a Christian uh, network because all of a sudden I start hearing the gospel proclaimed. They really? had Billy Graham on there just preaching the gospel. Uh-huh. Well, they just and, played a clip. And played a clip of him preaching the gospel, and and, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah. oh wow, what 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 time are we living in right now? Yeah. Did we just go back in time? So you're right. There is this is a great opportunity. I'm also seeing a lot of moms who are. Working moms, they're sitting there with their kids in the house, and they're they're really kind of broken right now because they really don't know how people do this. Yeah. Mm. They, they really are trying to figure out how mm-hmm. in the world do I manage this right now. Could you just kind of talk to them, or maybe give them some um, inspiration to get through this or how they can can manage this better? Yeah, so at first to say, we're, we're right there with you. We're not, um, as homeschoolers, the home part is kind of the, the minority part. We're all about... Uh, our co-ops, our communities, our um, clubs that we're involved in. So we're not used to being stuck at home either. So yeah. mm-hmm. we just have the benefit of knowing how to educate um, our, our students. And so the first thing I would say is just learn about your child, spend time reading together. Um, if you do cooking, you know, cooking is a great time to learn math, to learn science, to talk about things. Just the main thing to do right now is ask good questions and to um, just really get to know your kid better and to really form a stronger relationship. So, you know, even in my, you know, some days we cry after math and some days math goes well. So (laughs) it's it's nothing new. Yeah. Um, But we're all, we're all struggling, you know, being stuck at home. And so that's, so I first just say, um, you know, We've got free materials for you. We've got all sorts of different things available to help you answer specific questions on different subjects. Um, but the main thing is to know that we're all just um, in this together, and uh, that's why um, 
we're, we're trying to help you any way we can. And I've heard so many stories of local homeschool moms just having like 20, 30 people just asking them, like, how do I do this? And so yep. if yep. you know someone who's homeschooled, yep. just ask them because they're going to, they're going to know you better than I know you. Mm. And they're going to be um, mm, willing to good. help you out. Yeah. I was think I think too, just in a moment like this, we got to, I mean, especially those, you know, people who know Jesus, know the gospel, um, we, we have to be ready to laugh. We, we have to just Absolutely. we have to be willing mm-hmm. to laugh at, the, at just the, the insanity, the craziness, yeah. and knowing because because God holds it all in His hands. This yeah. is part of His plan. Um, that the, that just t- to laugh, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can laugh at all. The, I mean, there's some hard things going on too. Yeah. But get books out that are funny. Yeah. Um, tell jokes. Yeah. That's uh, right. Just practice, even if it's hard for you in particular. Just cultivate a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, I think that if, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, because um, God is in control. Yeah. Um, that's right. The whole the the story arc of history is a comedy, and not not like the you know hilarious laugh out loud necessarily comedy, but right. the, the the arc of divine history, comedy. Yeah, divine yeah, comedy. Right. The history the arc of of history runs towards a wedding. Yeah. A wedding feast. Yeah. The punchline is resurrection. Right. The punchline is every tear wiped away. The punchline yeah. is everything made right. Yeah. And and that's 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 um ultimately is the kind of thing that just makes you laugh for joy. Yeah. Amen. And um and I think for those of us who know Jesus, who know the resurrection of life, you have your home, you're with your kids, you know, it's crazy. Laugh. Yeah. You know, look at it Amen. sideways, look at it upside and down. Fight. And and and, 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 just, and also feast. And I, that's right. That's right. <laughs> my, 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 my kids my kids regularly at the dinner table have me Google um, you know, funny kids jokes. Oh yeah. yeah. And so at the I dinner mean, table, I am not good at telling jokes. Uh, yeah. As as we, you guys know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it, what's been funny from all that is my kids now write their own jokes. Yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. they're, they're, it's pretty I mean, funny. The, yeah, the, the, the meme, the meme yeah. game is pretty strong right yeah. now. Oh, too. It's, it's classic. We've been having fun yeah. just sharing memes at the dinner table. Yeah. You know, my, you know, my, my, we don't usually do phones at the table, but my, yeah. my son will be like, Hey, look at this one, dad. And then it's yeah. good. We pass it around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, we're having a good time. Yeah. So. Hey, That's Robert Borden, so somebody wanted to grab the app right now. What's the name of the app and how can they find just classical conversations in any app store? Yeah. He's search classical conversations in the Android store or the uh, Apple app store and then um there's a free version of android that's a separate app and then we just lowered the price of the apple app to zero so mm. hey, now's a good wow. time and, to get and it if, and if you're a homeschooling mom why are you not getting a master's degree go get that yeah. i mean hey, man. i mean you're gonna hey, put all the time in yeah i think that's, that's just awesome robert yeah. that's just awesome hey man appreciate you and appreciate you supporting cross politic you've yep. been here from the beginning and oh, we're yeah. very grateful from the for beginning it, from the beginning yeah <laughs> he believed in us before before we even had duct tape <laughs> we did <laughs> classicalconversations.com uh slash covid and also go get the app at the App Store. That's free. It's a good time. And get your masters, mama. It's there waiting for you. More Cross Politic with David Bonson when we come back. Logos Online School is your affordable partner in classical Christian homeschooling, offering live teacher-led instruction four days a week to students in grades 7 through 12. Our experienced, enthusiastic teachers provide instruction in math, science, literature, history, languages, Bible, apologetics, rhetoric, government, and economics. Find out why more and more Christian homeschoolers are turning to Logos Online School for the education of their children. Go to LogosOnlineSchool.com today. Hey! What a packed show. What camera? Hey! Hey! Hey. Uh, We need lights on the camera for you to just go on. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. This segment is brought to you by this coffee, which was made by Miss Alex Shannon. Mm, good oh, job, she's honey. there behind the camera. She's doing the switcher right now. Hey, uh, we are really grateful to have with us on the line right now, Mr. David Bonson. Our economist. Our, our the official cross politic <laughs> economist. He's everybody's economist. <laughs> the world's economist. He's, he's the founder, managing partner, and chief investment officer for the Bonson Group, managing over $2.25 5 billion dollars still in client assets still probably more we'll during find, this downturn we'll, still we'll find out in a second yeah. uh, he is a frequent guest on CNBC Bloomberg Fox Business and Cross Politic he is a regular contributor to the National Review and World Magazine his late father Dr. Greg Bonson was a renowned Christian apologist mm, always ready and he is the author of the book Crisis of Responsibility mm-hmm. our cultural addiction to blame and how you can cure it as Such well a as a book. recent book on Elizabeth Warren <laughs> yeah. his ultimate passions are his wife of 18 plus is it still 18 years or is this is this old yeah, uh, we're getting close to 20 here now. Hey, Praise God. Hey, you and me both. And uh, his wife, Jolene, their children, sons, Mitchell and Graham and daughter, Sadie, and the life they've created together on both coasts. And for some reason, one of the things that doesn't show up in a lot of his bios is I think one of the biggest claims to fame is that he was the band manager for the OC Supertones. What? You know what? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's... You, you, can't, you can't figure out why that's not in the bios. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you got to figure out how to get him and Darren Doan together. On the, on the same show. show. Oh, yeah, we'll do that sometime. That hey, if, if NSA's graduation is still live, uh, David still might be coming. He still should be coming to Moscow. He, he agreed uh, to speak at NSA's graduation, but it uh, all depends on the travel, yeah. the coronavirus and oh, everything. Yeah. Where David's at, so we could get Darren and that David would be in an the amazing studio. Show. Oh man! Yeah. Anyways, I, I really want Chalk yeah. to get like a stinger of some Supertones music for every time. <laughs> yeah. you, we need to have your own music, Next David. Next time since he comes you, on, since you come on Cross Politics so much, a little bit of ska punk in the background, That's I think, awesome. would be just the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yes, yes. thank you for joining uh, us. You once got, more. You, I, I will say real quick, uh, if if we get uh, me and Darren Doan in the same. Studio together, you guys have absolutely no idea what you're in for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to do it now. We're, we're ready. We're ready. Yeah. So um, we have been uh, following some of the work you've been doing on this. I mean, you have been busy. Yeah. Um, and again, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, talk to our audience about this. Um, one of the things that you, 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 as you're breaking down what's going on in this crazy Corona moment, um. You, you particularly, um, I think it would be helpful if you would just paint a picture for our audience. Yeah, yeah. Like, what happened and where are we economically? I mean, I know that's a gigantic question, but a lot of people just don't have any idea. There's just reports going all over the place. Can you, I mean, kind of condense it down a little bit? Like, where are we economically as a nation and, um, and, and what are you seeing? Well, as we're sitting here recording, we're one day after the first week of unemployment claims um, that have been able to be visible since all of this started. Right. And the number was uh, absolutely horrifying, 3.3 right. 3 million. Um, there, you know, that you generally have about five, 600,000 a week. Yeah. Um, and there were some that thought it could be as good as only one and a half million. But really, the Wall Street number was about 7 million. So it ended up being between the best case and worst case number, but I really do think it's moot. All of it was just horrid. Right. And, and that, that will end up being the worst number. It will only get better from there because you, you bars, the restaurants and so forth, they all closed at once. And then, and then from there, you know, you build off of it. Uh, it may be slow. It may be quick, but yeah. it gets better, not worse. But the point being, 
that what happened in the matter of just days was uh, a full-blown economic collapse around not coronavirus per se. I guess I'm being a little bit um, picky on the wor- on the wording, but on uh, on the response to coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's right. There will there will be there will be time. I'm not going to do it yet, but there will be time to audit the decisions that were made that brought us here. Um, uh, I, I don't think that we know yet. What was there an overreaction here or an underreaction there? Did they prepare too much in one state and not enough in another? I suspect all those things are still on the table, and we'll get there in due time. Yeah. Um, but the point being that with the effective shutting down of the American economy, uh, you you had what will end up being in the late first quarter and into early second quarter the most violent contraction of GDP since the Great Depression. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. th- that isn't that isn't going to be a surprise. It isn't going to be a mystery. It's the the questions in front of us now are all entirely about the the recovery. Yeah, right. Um, w- w- will there be a V shaped recovery <clears throat> or will it be more of a U shaped? And you notice in both cases, I am presupposing recovery. Yeah, yeah. There, there's you know I I don't think the American people are are going to stay out of work very much longer and out of <clears throat> the public square. We for all the good and bad of American culture, there there and even the sense in which what I'm about to say is not really the way I would prefer it be defined. Mm-hmm. It is a heavily community-minded culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, community, in the way I'm using it, doesn't necessarily, unfortunately, entail all the things I would want community to entail as a Christian. Right. But, so. but my point being is that we are social animals, so, and, and particularly consumerist and mm-hmm. often hedonistic social yeah. animals. They're not going to stay out of the bars and restaurants and sporting events and those things for long. And uh, that will result in a, a very quick resumption, which is why comparisons to the Depression, by the way, are really unhelpful. Yeah. The Depression was not a depression because we had a contraction out of nowhere in GDP. It was right. a depression because we had a contraction that we didn't know when in the world it was going to end. It was, yeah. it was, and it was structural. It, it was a completely structural yep. uh, contraction of economic activity that uh, I would argue was exacerbated by policy mistakes, but regardless, there, there was a legitimate drying up of that sort of both consumer and producer economic activity. This is clearly transitory. It is clearly interventionist from this coronavirus component, and that's where we find ourselves in the American economic life. So why do we need the stimulus then if it's just transitory? Well, I think that the whole point, and again, when we say need the stimulus, I want to be fair to what I mean by that. Yeah. I don't mean that we need every part of it. I don't mean I like every part of it. And I, I don't mean that, um, that there is a sort of broad-based normative that one can extract from it. But to the extent that we're talking about filling in a gap of something that will fill back in, um, uh, very candidly, we're not talking about people in my economic position in life. We're uh-huh. talking about people that live paycheck to paycheck. Right. Uh-huh that now have been shut out from any incoming income for, let's call it, four weeks, and it could be 12 weeks, uh-huh. okay. we don't know, and those restaurants are effectively shut down. Or, and it's not just restaurants, it's retail, it's storefronts, yeah. Coffee, yeah. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And so the, the idea here, there's some things they've done that I think are, by the way, very effective, and some things they've done that I don't think scratch the stitch at all, but are part of the bill. But the point being, the need is to plug that gap of the lost economic activity that was there 
so that the economic activity can resume because if all of a sudden you're allowed to go back outside, but the restaurant is closed because, because they had to walk away, they had no money to pay their cooks and, and, right. and busboys, it doesn't, you're, you don't get the V-shape if the restaurant's gone. Mm-hmm. So it's the difference between a four-week closure and a, and a permanent closure. And, and there's a lot of other questions that this begs that I'm happy to answer, but that's the yeah. just basic immediate response to what, what the intent of this is, is to plug the gap of this, let's call it four to six week shutdown of economic life. So in your, in your world magazine, you had four, you basically summarized the stimulus in four categories. You want to walk us through that real quick. And then I got some hard questions for you. <laughs> yeah. And I, and the hard questions are what I'm on the call for. I can't wait, but um, <laughs> by the way, the, Those four categories were not from me. Uh, Those are the way that the bill itself, um, HR 743, divides it up. I've read every single word of the bill, 880 pages. And and, uh, reading 880 pages of Congress is not quite the same as reading 880 pages of uh, Benjamin Warfield. So don't feel feel too sorry for me. Calvin's Institute's not nearly as (laughs) stimulating. Yeah. I, I could have read uh, another 880 pages. This wasn't rocket science reading candidly. <laughs> but my point, my point being that the basic categories around this are still direct to taxpayer support, small business support, big business support, and health care support. Okay. And those are the broad categories of what the stimulus is driven around. And there's sort of different facilities and functions um, out of each one of those four categories. Now, I found, I found it kind of interesting that you seemed uh, the least excited. And I don't think it was totally negative, but you seemed the least excited about the individual checks that the stimulus would send out to individual households. Yeah, and that's not that's not because I don't appreciate the politics of it. There's no way the bill would have gotten done without it. That kind of and, and and it was the Trump administration driving it. Um, how much of it was because they wanted it and how much of it was because they knew that Pelosi, Schumer, Sanders wanted it. I'm not sure, but I don't believe that that is going to be the real stimulative part of it. Okay. Uh, are there going to be people that, again, go paycheck to paycheck that have ha- not received their their revenue, have been cash flow constricted for various reasons, maybe furloughed at work, maybe unemployed or, or what have you, mm-hmm. that are going to get a couple thousand bucks. A family of four can end up getting uh, $3,400, 12, if they make under $150,000, mm-hmm. uh, and have two children, they will get $500 per kid and $1,200 per grown up. And, and, and my view of it economically is that those tend not to get what we call a multiplier effect. Uh, I don't think a family that is, is in that kind of economic hardship gets that check right. and says, thank God, let's go out and do a night out of the town yeah. um, or, you know, or, or do some early Christmas shopping or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, if I knew that there was another four weeks coming of, of economic uncertainty, I'd Absolutely. throw that money under the mattress. You yeah, know, right. it, would become, right. it would become necessary reserves, not right. uh, money that got consumed into the economy and therefore right. had what we call velocity. Right. Where I get the money, then I spend it with the tailor, and the tailor spends it with the Starbucks, and Starbucks yep. spends it with. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. The money doesn't. Mm-hmm. The money doesn't turn over. Okay. Um, so go uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So now, where's? Uh, let's get into some of these hard questions here. Where's the stimulus money coming from? Well, there, it's obviously coming from deficit spending. So the answer to that question is it's coming from the same place 
that um, every dollar of government spending um, above and beyond our revenues every year has come from for years, mm-hmm. including the trillion dollars of deficit spending we had in this administration right. before coronavirus and mm-hmm. the trillion last year and the trillion last year. <laughs> and, so, right. and, and, and so, and, 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 and it's a low number in the Obama administration post financial crisis. And this is after the sequester bill of um, 2011 that got implemented in 2013. Uh-huh. The deficits got as low as about 400 billion, mm-hmm. and that uh, the Obama administration did a pretty good job taking credit for that. But it is important to remember that that only happened against their will because the Republicans at that point had the majority, and right. they basically held hostage um, the, yeah. the, uh, the debt, uh, kind of complicated, basically. but yeah, right. yeah they, yeah. they, the debt ceiling initiative. And so what they uh-huh. did was they got certain cuts to military spending, uh, that were forced in and, and other things brought down deficits uh-huh. for a bit. And also we had a, a economic recovery beginning that brought revenues higher. Sure. So anyways, the answer to your question is, is everyone knows that they're spending it with borrowed money. That's where the right. stimulus will come from. Right. And, and so, um, did, uh, you know, basically, this is our third stimulus package in about twelve to fifteen years, right? Because we had Bush, one hundred sixty-eight million billion, and then we had uh, uh, Obama at seven or eight hundred and sixty billion, and then now this stimulus. Did the last two stimuluses work? Well, I do think that this is um, not a stimulus bill in the same category as the other two, okay. and 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 so the book, uh, I've been using the term stimulus as well, but. Um, like is often the case with language, I even need to be more careful. Stimulus implies, um, by the nature of the word, that there's this sort of cyclical economic contraction, mm-hmm. and all of the philosophies of John Maynard Keynes, some some uh, fiscal intervention will help right. stimulate activity that offsets it. Keynesian economics, this, yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that um, both of the the quote-unquote stimulus bills you you cite from earlier, the Bush one in early 08, which was very pre-crisis, by the way. Yeah. It was a yeah. just embar- it was an embarrassing debacle. <laughs> now, the good news is it was only $168 billion. Right. So it wasn't like it was, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> that only, only. only. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I got that in my back yeah. pocket. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually unfortunate that I sort of mean that. You know? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Relatively speaking, obviously, in yeah. hindsight, we can laugh. We can laugh for that. Really, is very small. Yeah. Obama's was closer to a trillion, and that was pretty uh, bad as well. That would have been more effective in a Keynesian sense, but it was just a really bad stimulus bill. In other words, they used it as an opportunity for payback to all the municipal employee unions that helped right. Obama get elected, right. and and they did very little to actually stimulate. Um, growth in the economy, but I still uh, am fond of reminding people that they gave away tens of millions of dollars of condoms in the Bay Area, so mm. there was something oh stimulated, gosh. but I don't, uh, I don't think, oh, I don't, oh my gosh, <laughs> message, I, I don't, I, this is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wait, well, I'm just I'm just reading legislation. <laughs> He's just reporting. This is not family like friendly said, legislation. It's a family show. So, so this begs the question, though: um, Why? At what point do we take the hit as parents for our kids? You know, or grandkids, or grandkids. Well, right? You know, um, uh, we get into this mess, and knowing, and let's say we take out this third stimulus package in 15 years. At, at what point do we just say, hey, look, we need to let the economy reset, get the bad debt off the books, or take the hit for our great-grandkids, as opposed uh, the other scenario is currently our great-grandkids are going to take the hit for us so we can live a little easier life right now. 
Yeah, so there, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I, I will go back to this point we were talking about earlier, though, as to why this is better um, defined as sort of an emergency coverage yeah. bill than, than a stimulus bill. The intent is not to say, hey, um, you're, you're saving too much money in, in the sort of cyclical patterns that, that Keynes hated so much. It was so anti-savings and so pro-consumption. Right. And now we're trying to get people to, to save more. The vast majority of this bill is not intended about stimulating spending. It is plugging um, economic losses. Mm-hmm. And, and so it could be right, it could be wrong, but I just think that the word stimulus as a actually descriptive noun doesn't work here. It, is, it, it, it has a lot of, of intent to it, but I don't believe it fits in that broad category. Your question, though, is an incredibly legitimate one, but I think it's a, it's a broader question that existed or should have existed well before coronavirus and this new $2 trillion. Yeah, and that is, and that is the, the pay-for and the societal implications for kids and grandkids. Yeah. Now, being de- descriptive before I get prescriptive, um, nobody cares, okay? That, <laughs> I, <that's laughs> except, except, three except, guys, except us. Three, three guys in Idaho. <laughs> David's right. But, but, that but, hurts. But I, I, I mean, Republicans don't care. Yeah. No. Conservatives don't care. Trump fans don't care. And and I also think that even a lot of people who do care don't necessarily care in a very thoughtful way. And and I can't remember if mm. we've talked about this in your show before or not. But I just want to make sure that when we complain about the really, really offensive $30 million going to the Kennedy Center or something like that, yeah. that we have a comprehension of the pie chart. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the government spends $4 trillion a year. They add a trillion to the deficit. And as a pie chart of money, the interest in our debt is barely recognizable as a slight. The military spending, as, because I consider the vigorous national defense of our country one of the very few legitimate functions of federal government, yeah, right. is piddlywinks, is as a percentage. Even in the aftermath of Afghanistan and Iraq, which were, which, you know, many would obviously argue were never intended to be as long term as they became, military spending never exceeded 16% of federal outlays. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the discretionary spending, you could, you could audit how much the Pentagon spends on toilet seats here and you could cut <laughs> the waste in, in the Department of Interior there, all of which should be done, all of which isn't even a rounding error. Mm-hmm. in the total amount of what our issue is. Okay. Now, I, I'm not saying this to justify more military spending, even though I'm in favor of it, or that the debt isn't a problem because the interest is low, because that's mm-hmm. an entirely different story, mm-hmm. or that discretionary spending should continue to run amok, because it shouldn't. I believe in honest waste and measures. I don't want to waste a dollar. Yeah. But, 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 it's all entitlement, period. We're wasting our time talking about yeah. deficits and national debt if we're not talking about transfer payments, which are mm-hmm. Social Security, yep. Medicare, yep. and Medicaid. Yep. And if you add to it the portion of federal outlays from the Obamacare legislation, those things, those four components put together, born out of Wilson's progressive ideology, yep. applied under FDR's New Deal, extended under LBJ's Great Society oh. and culminated under Obama's medical care legislation, you are dealing with 55% of federal outlay. Wow. There is nothing, nothing to be said. Yeah, that's right. That's the money. Wow. That's the issue. Half our budget. 
Um, so David, I got, I have, I had a thousand questions before you came on. Now, now you got now, a million. Now, now, well, now I just have <laughs> one. Two point two trillion. Yeah. Did you take out a loan uh, on those questions, uh, David? Are we screwed? No, we're not. Although it's a, it's a fair question. Now, now let me just preemptively um, say something about uh, uh, the way a lot of people have argued all this means. Okay, we're running up the debt, and then and then the Fed is now. Uh, engaging in buying back bond, buying bonds yep. with money that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right. and uh, the the word has been that this is hyperinflationary since my entire lifetime, particularly yep. in a certain theological camp that that um, I, I was partially raised in, and and that a lot of people still have certain affinities to, yep. largely just because it's kind of the only game they've known. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? I don't know. I believe I know, but I guess I don't technically know the eschatological camp that, that you guys come from. I am a postmillennialist. Amen. A lot of people in my, a lot of people in my camp are very critical yeah. of whether you, it wouldn't apply to all dispensationalists or all premillennialists, but certainly there is a, a sort of ghetto of these rapture fever folks. Yeah. And, Especially and right guys now. Like my friend, and guys like my friend Gary DeMar have done a great job over the years, rightly calling them to task for yeah. their perpetually wrong prophecies. Right. Yeah. But at what point do we get to do the same thing in our own camp to people that are perpetually wrong about inflation? Hmm. How, uh, okay, we have 110% debt to GDP. Japan has 260% debt to GDP Ooh. and has for 40 years. Wow. And find an ounce of inflation over there. They're begging for inflation. Hmm. This is the point I'm making. They've got it all wrong. Hmm. So the answer is no, we're not screwed, but yes. We are putting ourselves in a deflationary cycle because what people don't understand huh. is that they can keep creating this money ex nihilo as long as it isn't circulating without it becoming inflationary and the money isn't circulating. The problem is it compresses long-term growth. It compresses productivity. This becomes theological. This is what I spoke about last time I was on your show. Yeah. It, is, it, it is forcing people to perform suboptimally in the Genesis mandate, how mm. they steward God's creation. Yeah. It limits economic activity. It limits economic productivity. That is the great sin of a deflationary spiral that they have forced us into. So I'm very concerned about the mechanisms by which we monetize this debt, yep. but I am tired of us getting it wrong. It's no different than someone predicting a hurricane all the time and then an earthquake comes and they go, see, I told you so. That isn't that it, it's a different problem than the one people have been identifying. Can, can, so why do I say we're not screwed? Yeah. screwed? Because I believe that through the long term trajectory of us getting our priorities right and our priorities must mean a larger role of the citizen and a, show, a smaller role of government mm-hmm. that we can right size government once we have from a virtue, character, and spirituality standpoint, change the culture, and then at that point work through the debt over time um, with, with uh, the right uh, prescriptions for society. But they will not happen as long as we continue to have a messianic view of government. Wow. I, I Maybe this is too big of a question, but is there a way for you to just – Walk back over what you just said, I, because I'm I'm in that camp. I mean, I, that's what you hear. You, yeah, you hear yeah. you print money, you make up money, and everything inflates. And you just said that's that's upside down and backwards. 
if, I, if I'm understanding well, you right. Well, well uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have to, though, make an economic theory here. I don't. I can just simply ask you or anyone to look at a chart of 40 years yeah. of the United States, the United Kingdom, Japan, and the European Union, the four largest developed economies on Earth. Okay. And um, but the bottom line is all four have seen deficits and debt explode. And, and inflation dramatically compressed and deflation become the, the predominant rule. And interest rates, by the way, basically all gone to zero. Yeah. Okay, so we, it cost, you, you bought 10-year government debt at 9% 30 years ago, and right now it's at 1%. And um, the deficits back then, were, we were complaining about $50 billion, and now they're a trillion. So, I mean, the, the typical... Um, you know, sort of examples people use about inflation, like, you know, my, you know, my grandpa, whatever, bought a, a hamburger for, for a nickel, yeah. you know, or he got, you know, we, we bought our house in, uh, from a couple that had owned our house, their house for 51 years. And, and the, the little, the lady, you know, sweet, sweetheart just, you know, trying to explain to us that they bought it for, you know, $19,000 and, and they did put a lot of stuff, you know, they did put a lot of work into it. <laughs> you know, we, we bought yeah. it for, you know, 20 times that or what, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, what, um, that, that, that looks like inflation. My money, you know, it doesn't sure. go oh, as no, far. no, Yeah. Okay. But hold on. You also have to do the other side of the income statement. Okay. So the ice cream cones are more expensive, but I'm pretty sure you make more than your grandpa did. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, I got to talk to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe. <laughs> hey. So, so, so my point, yeah. my point being that, uh, by the way, that is inflation and that is wrong. That is a byproduct of um, excessive money supply. Yeah. My point, my point is that the, what we're talking about now in funding these long-term deficits is not working its way in the money supply. There's a reason why they quadrupled the balance sheet of the Fed post-financial crisis, but money supply only went up a pinch okay. because money supply requires velocity. This is Irving mm -hmm. Fisher's Theory of Money 101. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It has to turn over in the society to become inflationary. Right. Yeah, now, right. I'm. it does all sorts of other bad things. Yeah. Don't hear me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. there is a real danger to both what we know of our dependence on the Federal Reserve right now and what we don't know. B both things are very dangerous, but they're not dangerous in this constant, eternal prediction of hyperinflation mm -hmm. when in reality we've had far more debt deflationary pressures mm -hmm. than ever over the last 40 years. But to the example of price inflation with the ice cream cone and, yeah. and a cost of consumer goods, um, you also have extraordinary price deflation in uh, technology. Right. A VCR cost eight, 800 bucks when I was yeah. 12 years old, and, and yeah. now you can go get an incredible state-of-the-art Blu-ray for 39 bucks or whatever. You know yeah, by right. this point. Yep, I mean. right. yep. but, 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 but secondly, the, the quality of life is the question. Yeah. Did someone have income stay static and costs go higher? I would argue across society it's different in individual pockets and professions. Sure. But in a macroeconomic basis, that more or less incomes have risen with consumer prices in all but three categories. Mm. Cost of higher education, yep. cost of housing, yep. and, 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 and in healthcare, yep. the three areas that are government subsidized. Yep. Uh -huh. That's <laughs> okay. right. He, he's, de so, he's dead on. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So, David, let me, let me interrupt you on, on this point because we, we need to let you go, but I got, I got kind of uh, – 
I got really, one, I have one more too. Well, oh. we got to let him go at some point. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got so many questions about the inflation stuff, but, um, in this kind of stimulus stuff, isn't it doing two things? It's, it's creating bad political incentives for politicians to where they can get away with crap like this, um, during a downturn, you know, taking advantage of the crisis. And then secondly, um, isn't this creating bad precedent for, for future uh, generations? That, well, that, the idea of government being there in these cases of emergency. That's right. Yeah, see, I would argue that uh, health pandemic versus a business cycle problem does warrant a different thought process. Mm. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to let up in my criticism of where we were coming into this. Mm-hmm. But if we had a balanced budget, and it was March 1st, 2020, yeah. And we had low tax rates and low percentage of government spending divided by total GDP. Mm-hmm. So we had right-sized government. We yeah. were living within our means, and those things were all healthy. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, my goodness. Right. We have this $2 trillion hit to the economy or whatever, however you tried to pro forma it. Yeah. Um, because of this global health pandemic, and we have to get this thing right, I would be perfectly um, uh, willing to see the government has to play a, uh, a transitory and and rare and and temporary role in that solution for no other reason than the the cost of it would be greater if they did not. You cannot have revenue tie uh, freeze up the way it would and then and then have deficits stay intact. In other words, it, it, uh, that would re- result in larger deficits that we're also against. Mm. Um, then if they took no, uh, now, now, by the way, when I say take action, I still would be presupposing the right actions, right, smart right, actions, right. W- ones that had <clears throat> accountability. And, and, and I would mostly, um, Father Sirico Action Institute did a just beautiful 10 minute video the other day, reinforcing the doctrine of subsidiarity out of this. And you're going to see a lot of resurgence of federalism out of this too, because I strongly suspect that we're a couple weeks away from President Trump basically just saying, okay, all the federal restrictions are done, right. but New York, you do your thing, and Nebraska, you do your thing. Amen. And, the, and the country and the country's going to celebrate it, and that's the same country that is, has loathed federalism for, for over a century now. Yeah. So the, the, the fact of the matter is there's a practicality to federalism that is, is probably ripe for this moment. But morally, the subsidiarity is where I would prefer we go, that we equip hospitals, and, and local endeavors to, to fill the role they need to fill, um, and that there be a very temporary basis to whatever government actions are required. Do I think this gives incentives to politicians? I don't think this gives it to them. This isn't the cause of it. This is the effect of it. I mm. can't criticize what this Congress did without criticizing where it came from. Yeah. It came from Wilson. No, not Doug. Woodrow. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know. We, know Wilson, we probably have a balanced budget. <laughs> uh, I can't even believe how bad my email inbox almost just blew up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One last thing. I think you're getting at this, but like, so there's one, there's one sense in which you have emergency, sort of an emergency funding, a humanitarian aid kind of thing, which is why I hear you saying, look, I think there's a place for this given the situation we're in. It's a mess, but that's the, you know, maybe the best we can do given it all. Um, how, but, as you were talking about that, I keep thinking of the story of Joseph in Genesis, and you have a humanitarian crisis, and you know I think he's doing good, he's being blessed by God, but then yep. at the same time, mm-hmm. he's basically enslaving the entire nation 
which then ends up being that's this, how Israel got enslaved. I mean, you know, a generation later or whatever right. it is, um, you've got an entire nation enslaved, Israel enslaved. Um, what is there a danger? I mean, it seems to me like there's a real life danger of the, of a similar thing where, where in a humanitarian crisis. Um, you know, the we government have, comes in. The government comes yeah. in, and, and now you know maybe not initially. There's not strings attached initially, but there's hooks that get into you. I mean, the government's buying up a lot of all stuff. Those loans. They're buying up all this stuff. I mean, at what point do they say? And now we do have uh, a, a controlling interest in how you're running your business. I mean, r- r- to remind you, well, I'm well, sheltering but, home here in Idaho right now. <laughs> yeah, see, no, but I think I think that uh, you you you've wisely pinpointed something that existed well before this. This is. This goes back, by the way, to chapter 10 of my book, uh, my Crisis and Responsibility. This is the relationship between government and citizens that our citizens asked for. Mm. Okay? Mm. And, I, and I don't believe, I, I can't believe anybody would deny that. Yeah. That that sort of, of stopgap, the role of the church, the role of civic organizations, the role of private philanthropy, that has been something we have delegated to the great society for a long time oh, now, well man. over a generation. Yeah. Oh. And, and so in this moment, you're arguing that it, it adds to the negative feedback loop, and I don't disagree with you, but it didn't start the negative feedback yeah. loop. It is a part of a cycle we're in. How do we get out of it? In times of peace and prosperity, it is the time then for us to argue for getting our fiscal house in order, yeah. not defending a president who spends like a drunken sailor. <laughs> in times of peace and prosperity yeah. is when we have to make the case for for a uh, more free and virtuous society that relies on government less. Yeah. But you can't win the argument when you're in a time of crisis. And so I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I want to go back to where we were six years ago, seven years ago, four yeah. years ago, where we're going to be, hopefully, Lord willing, in a year, in three years, assuming no crises that we're dealing with then. Yeah. What are we prepared to do as, as like-minded citizens who share a common view of culture and faith yeah. to, to move the ball that we um, unwind this particular mm. symbiotic relationship? Yeah. Those are the real questions in front of us. That's and good. you're not doing this, but there are others out there who are just content to complain about this stimulus, and I find it inadequate. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. David, we we got to let him go. David, yeah, David thank man. you so much for spending so much time with us. He's thing. making me pre-mill. How can we follow no, you? No, stop. <laughs> stop I'm depressed. David, I'm depressed. Shut up. No. Cut your mic off. No. Um, David, how can we follow you? How can we stay in contact with what you're doing and, and follow what's happening right now with um, with the economic package and what you're what you're doing to yeah. manage it? Yeah, every, at least two, three times a week, I'm writing heavily on the economic and, and capital market ramifications of this at dividendcafe.com, dividendcafe.com. And I'm going to continue doing um, other writing, speaking, and so forth with you guys and Board Magazine and National Review and all the other places that are still willing to tolerate what I have to say. I can't see that my eyes aren't thinking. Oh, DavidBonson.com is yeah, also David, a, is a place. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, David, thank you so much. The, problem, the problem with DavidBonson.com is then you have to spell Bonson and people screw oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dividend Cafe is a lot easier to spell. <laughs> well, if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. Hey, and get all that great club content that we have available for you. We need to do a master class with David. This is yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is cross politics. And Darren Doan. And Darren Doan. <laughs> <laughs>